All right, so turn our Bibles to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Okay, we finished up to um, verse 24. We finished up the chapter very quickly. John chapter 10, can we read from verses 24 to 42? All right, John chapter 10. We turn our Bibles to John chapter 10. All right, we will have the brothers read the even verses, the sister respond in the odd verses. All right, last two verses, we read 41 and 42 together, so the brothers will begin. Now, when we read God's Word, we learn something, all right? We learn to read it aloud and properly. Don't mumble, right? This is God's Word, so I want you from a young age to learn to always be very reverential each time we read God's Word, all right? So don't mumble. Um, don't slouch, sit up properly and read God's word. Alright, so we must reverence God's word as it is read. Okay, um, alright, so let's learn to do so. 24 men shall begin reading. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt if thou be the Christ? Tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believed not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto you eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, Ye are gods. He called them gods, unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. Say to you, whom the Father hath sanctified, and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God. If I do not the words of my Father, believe me not. But I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me, and I in him. Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. And went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized, and there he abode. And many resorted unto him, and said, John did no miracle. But all things that John spake of this man were true. Together 42, and many believed on him there. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the return of Fellowship Night, where we can gather to study your word so freely in this land. And Lord, we pray that you would be in our midst tonight, Lord, to richly bless with the understanding of your holy scriptures, and even above all, Lord, for us to have a closer glimpse, a better glimpse of our Saviour, that we may know Him better, to love Him, to obey Him. Father, we pray for every group that is meeting in this place tonight. 
May Thou likewise be in their midst to bless with Your Word. We pray for the facilitators, help them to teach Your Word clearly. And Lord, we pray now as we study the book of John, we ask again that, Lord, we will see more and more of our Saviour as God and not take Him for granted. And Lord, we pray that You would cleanse us and wash us of all our sins. Be in our midst now, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so please, when we study John, keep, think, keep thinking about your Saviour. It is about Him, alright? So, now here, we just read the account, the very famous account where Christ made very clear claims that He is God. So I did ask um, this question, which we did not finish last, last session, in John 10.30, alright? Let's read John 10.30 together. I and my Father are one. Okay, I and my father are one. Now, so I ask, what does I and my father are one means? If they are one, then I'll try and answer question number one. What does Jesus mean? Uh, what, sorry, it's a typo. What did Jesus mean when he said, I and my father are one? In other words, one in what sense? All right, so answer the first part first. One in one sense. Actually, well, um, you can answer the fill in the blanks. Hence, they are how many persons or person? The Father, the Son, how many persons? Hmm? And the Holy Ghost. Three persons, are you sure? One, no? They are one. Alright, so you say three, yeah? How many say one? Alright. <laughs> you don't know. Oh, you're not sure, alright? So we learn. That's why I put brackets. If I don't put bracket S, you will know. Alright, so some say, so most of you say three, one say don't know. And how many natures? Hmm? Okay, how many say one? One in nature. Okay, two percent says one, alright. Uh, Brenda, help us to keep track. Two percent says one. How many says two? Two natures. Okay, I'm, I'm specifically, actually the question wasn't very accurate. Um, I'm talking about Christ. Uh, wait, wait, wait. How many nature? Huh? Well, okay, how, also, how many say three? Three natures. You say three natures? Okay, three natures. Alright, two says two nature. Three says three nature. And the rest of you say one nature. Or oh, some not sure. Alright, not sure nature. Alright, while Christ is how many persons with how many natures? Okay, so some say Christ is one person with two natures. Okay, actually my question wasn't very good. Now, now I look at it. Alright, so now. Alright, so hence they are, now God, how many persons in the Godhead? Three persons. Persons means they are distinct. That's the meaning of persons. Alright, for, I know Shandri, I, I struggled with these persons and nature for a long time. And the best way to remember is, Persons means distinct persons. I'm a person, you're a person, he's a person. Alright? God the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. They are individual persons. Alright? Although, you say, I'm my Father, I'm one. Okay? Now, but one in, actually I meant the word, I guess nature would be um, essence. Alright? Nature. A nature. What is the nature of, of um, Kenny? Right, Kenny is a good-natured person. All right, is his character? He is a uh, calm. All right, the nature, the character, the makeup, the attributes. All right. So God is God. Three persons: Father, Son, Holy Ghost. 
but they are all of the same essence. They are all God. In essence, in person, uh, in, in, uh, in makeup, they all share. They all, rather, they all have the attribute of being God, deity. Alright? So, now, if that being so, Christ is how many persons? One person, right? One person, not split person. Right? One person with how many natures? Hmm? How many? You think one nature? Alright. So, which nature? Now, why do those say two? One nature is definitely one person, alright? When you see the Lord Jesus Christ is one person, right? It's definitely one person. So, you must remember one person. The same person on earth, okay? But how many nature did he have? The two, alright? What are they? Alright, God and man. The nature, the essence of God. He is God. He has the nature of man also. Alright, so two natures. Alright, so be very clear in our mind. Otherwise, when we read books, we get confused. Uh, when cults start to make funny claims. Alright, so in the Bible, theologically, it's very clear. Okay, now Christ has two natures. Now, in his human nature, we have human nature, right? Now, how many persons is Joseph? Poon, me. One person. Alright? How many nature do I have? Vincent? One. One, alright? So, human beings on earth, one. But my hum- which nature is that? Human nature. Now, the human nature. Is my human nature a sinful nature or a sinless nature? Sinful, huh? You call me sinful. <laughs> Alright, so we are all human. Our human nature is sinful nature because we are born sinful, right? We are born sinful. But Christ's human nature, is it sinful? No, his human nature is perfect. Perfect human nature. That's why he must be born of the virgin, right? If he's born of two human beings, then he will have the sinful nature. Alright, so God simply used the womb of Mary. Understand that? He simply used the womb of Mary um, to... Um, give birth to Jesus' human nature. Okay? So try again. God, we sing God in how many persons? God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. Alright? Three in one. Okay? So remember that. Now, so we read just now. So now you do some, some um, cracking of your brains. Alright? Because this, chap- this, this chapter, Christ kept emphasizing that he's God. Now, there are four, at least I spotted four, if you find more. There are four ways in which the Lord emphasized himself to be God. He did claim to be God, very clearly, in verses 24 to 38. There are four instances in there, or four different ways which he claimed to be God. I think you will find three easily. See whether you can spot the fourth one. Okay? Alright, so what are the four? How many found five? <laughs> okay, what is the first one? Elaine, did you find the first one? Um, okay, verse 25, what did he say? Okay, they bear witness of me. The works. What works are those? Uh, miracles, alright? Yes, miracles. The miracles. Alright, so his miracles, he claimed that through my miracles, it bears witness that I'm God, that the Father sent me. When he says, um, yeah, so the next one, what is the next one? Uh, the earlier I call you, the better it is, right? Um, Brian, did you, find a, did you find one? 
Verse 30, okay, <laughs> okay, I and my father are one. <laughs> Alright, now when he says I and my father are one, it's very clear. It means he's claiming to be of one, how many natures? How many essence? One. He and the God, the Father is, are one. They are same in nature. Alright, so he's claiming to be God. And then what's the third one? Um, Nelson, you found a third one? No, getting difficult. Thirty-seven. Let's see thirty-seven. Um, okay, thirty-seven and early on the works are very similar. Okay, the works are very similar. Okay, verse thirty-eight. If you do through. Um, okay, what about Father in me and I in Him? Okay, yeah. Okay, we can say that means they are one. So it's still about His oneness. Shandri, you spotted one? Verse 28. I give them eternal life. Very good. Right? Who can give eternal life? No one except God. No one ever stood up and said, I give eternal life. Well, only God claims that. So when he said that, it was very clear. Okay? That he is claiming to be God. And then another one. The last one. Or oh, you might spot more. It's full of full of him claiming full of claims to be God. Anyone spot fourth one? Joshua? Thirty six. No, thirty six. Verse twenty four and twenty five, Jesus claims to be Christ. And Christ is the Son of the Blessed, which is God. And then why does he why do you say he's claiming to be Christ in twenty four? And 25. Oh, oh, verse 24. If thou be Christ, I told you. <laughs> okay. All right. Yep. So it's more than four already. All right. So do you see this chapter is very rich with Christ claiming to be God? So clear. And you actually have Bible colleges that teach that Christ never claimed to be God. It's very weird. It's very strange. You know. And I have one. What about 34? Oh, sorry, 35. If he called them gods, unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. Scripture cannot be broken. Alright, I'll explain this a bit more. Now, if he says, he says scripture cannot be broken. What God promised and what I've done, what you've seen, he has proven scriptures, scriptures cannot be wrong. Hmm? So he's claiming from the word of God that he is God. God have already read, that they already know the Old Testament scriptures have claimed that the Messiah will come. He will perform these miracles and he say, it cannot be broken. I, I fulfill everything that you read in scriptures. I came born of a virgin. Hmm? All this, I fulfill scripture. I am the fulfillment of scripture and scriptures can never be wrong. All right? So he's claiming that he's what scripture called as the Christ, the Messiah, <coughs> God himself coming. Okay? So among other things, I'm sure you spot other things. Okay, so now, we move on. Now, this part is a bit difficult, alright? Because, again, people will say, Oh, no. Now, look at question number three. What did the Lord Jesus mean that these men are gods too? In verse 34. Is it not written in your law? I said, ye are gods. If you call them gods. Now, so, does this mean that he himself was just a god? A small g god. Okay, so some would take this passage and say, look, Jesus wasn't claiming to be capital G God. 
And he said, actually, everyone, you all are gods. Brenda, did you know you're a god? <laughs> or goddess? <laughs> god, right? She said, you're all gods. So he says, Jesus is just claiming I'm like you. Just like a god on earth. That's all. Jesus never claimed to be deity. Deity. Remember, there's a difference between divinity and deity, okay? The divinity means he is divine. He has god-like um, um, characteristics. When someone says, oh, you look divine. <laughs> no, they're not saying you're, you're God. <laughs> right? You look divine means, oh, you look wonderful. So divine can be simply God-like, very wonderful, like. But when you say deity, it means God. Understand? So, so when you read books, uh, be careful. When you read books, they say, uh, the divinity of Christ. You read carefully. Right? Because some of them are simply saying Jesus is divine, but he's not deity. Okay, understand that. Remember that. It's very subtle. But this is how theologians talk. Okay? So now, so now, Shenri, I say, see, Jesus said, just gods. Everyone's gods. Okay, female goddess. And then, you know, he's just another god. He already said. How do you answer? <laughs> is it in your Bible somewhere? <laughs> also there? Or oh, you did your homework? Very good, because I asked you to do your homework. I think anyone did the homework? Psalm 82. Turn to Psalm 82. So you must know what Christ is talking about. Psalm 82. Well done. Someone did the homework. Now the question is, what is it? <laughs> Say again? Uh, Calvary, briefly, ready. I did. Oh, okay. Okay, so now. You look at this word God. So Christ was quoting Psalm 82. Okay? Now, Psalm 82, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. You see the word gods? Elohim. Okay, plural gods. And it's small g. Now, then he says, How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the presence of the wicked? And he says, Defend the poor, the fatherless, and so on, and so on, and so on. Then verse 6, I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are the children of the Most High. And um, then verse 8, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou, shalt, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Now, from this chapter, you see, it is talking about what? Judges. Judges, alright? Judges. So, when in the Bible, or rather for the Hebrews, they would use this word Elohim. Alright? Also for the sense of people who are, people who are representing God as judges. Okay, so they are gods in the sense they are supposed to be just judges. And here God is rebuking them. You are gods, you are judges. You're supposed to represent my judgment. But you did not. You bully the poor. You are wicked judges. Okay, you are wicked Elohims. Understand that? So when here, when Christ says, when Christ was quoting this, he was simply saying what? Then what, why, why was he quoting this? Alright, Shenri, you did your homework. So now the question is, ask yourself, why was Christ quoting this? Anyone want to venture to try and figure out? Why did Christ quote this? In fact, when he quoted this, he is actually rebuking the people, the, the Pharisees, I am God. Yeah. Uh, was he being sarcastic? Yes, he's being sarcastic. That's for sure. Uh, the rules make them seem like they are gods, nobody can oppose them. Not so much that. Not so much that. 
Who's, who wants to be a lawyer? Who's studying law? <laughs> who's studying law? So you must know this. You must be a good judge. You must be a good judge. How many of you have read this passage and then do your devotion? I don't know what, and then move on. Never did bother to find out. Right, so ask. Try to ask. Want to try? Very good. All right. So Brenda just said, because they are supposed to be judges. After all, you claim to be Pharisees, you claim to know the scriptures, right? You say you Pharisees, you know the word of God so much. Remember what they said to the blind man who was healed? You don't know the word of God. We know the word of God. They say you claim to be judges of the word of God. Then how come? Scriptures have been fulfilled so clearly in my life, but you cannot judge this? Get it? Alright, get it? See, so you should know you are supposed to be gods, aren't, aren't you? Supposed to be judges. How come you cannot judge my works, my words, my person? Scripture has been fulfilled in my life. You cannot judge that. You cannot make that decision. Cannot come to the right conclusion about me. Okay? So who do not understand? Alright, everyone? Alright, so now that is why he was claiming to be God very clearly. He even rebuked them. He even rebuked them. To say that he did not claim is, 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 so, is, so, is so silly. He even rebuked them. Okay? So he says, and then look at verse 36. Oh, sorry, verse 35. He says, scriptures cannot be broken. They are fulfilled in my life. Can't you judge that? Verse 36. Say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said I am the Son of God. So foolish. So foolish. Okay, so now you understand that. Um, so, people who say no is claiming to be God, you show Psalm 82. Right? Psalm 82. Write it next to this verse. And say, no, Jesus is not claiming to be a small g God. And saying that we are all like small g gods as well. We are judges. Okay, now, next. So, now we move. Okay, we move. Alright, so I'm going to ask someone to come out and draw. Okay? Someone come up and draw. We do revision. Don't worry, have fun. We, we learn. The more you make mistakes, the more you learn. Okay, now verse 39. Now, therefore they sought him again to take him. Okay, but he escaped out of their hand and went away beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized. Um, there he abode, and many resorted unto him and, John, and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true. Isn't that wonderful? Is that I wish someone would I wish people would say that of our lives. What we say of Christ is true. You don't have to perform miracles. John did not perform miracles. But you know he bare the testimony of Christ so clearly. He could talk and explain about Christ so clearly. Many people came to believe. You know why we take time to study so much details about Christ's claims? Because John could do that. He could explain about Christ from scriptures. So clearly, and people believed he did not need to perform miracles, and he made sure that he always talk about Christ. All right. So when you live your life, do you point people to Christ, or people say well, you're a great, oh you're such a smart student, you're such a good um, this and that, you're so talented in this and that, but Christ, but John always could point people to Christ by his life, by his words. Okay, so that is a wonderful testimony of John. If only God would say these things about us. Is that your testimony in school? 
Hmm? He said, your testimony in school. John did no miracle, but all things that John spoke of him, this man were true. And as a result, many believed. Now, John had a very well-known statement. He, when people look at his life, look at him, he, something is very clear. He talks about Christ all the time. And he made this very famous statement and make that statement true in our own lives. I must... Very good. I must decrease and he must increase. You see, when your life is like that, people will come to know God. John's life was like that. We have to ask ourselves, is my life decreasing and Christ increasing in my life? Christ become clearer and clearer in my life. Me become unimportant. Alright? So remember that. Make your life like that. So always make that a good life phrase. Make, I inc- decrease and Christ increase. Alright, so now, Christ escaped, right? Is it wrong for Christ to escape? <laughs> yeah? Why? Because his time is not come. He said that many times, our way is not come. Alright, so he escaped. No, he escaped. And where did he escape to? Out, he escaped to um, beyond Jordan. He went beyond Jordan. Now, and then, okay, he went beyond Jordan. And the place that he went to was um, Perea. Now, beyond, beyond Jordan. So now, it's the fun part. Alright, anyone remember how to draw? The last time, the last time, uh, Ray E draw, drew. So now, no more Ray <laughs> Alright, so that's why it's better to do earlier. So do you remember the picture of the promised land? Must remember, must roughly have. So when you read the Bible, when you do your devotion, you roughly know where Christ was going and what's happening. Otherwise, you're totally lost. Is Christ going, Christ going north, going south, going east? Where is he going? What's happening? So who want to try? Joshua, you want to try? Do you remember how to draw? You must at least have these few places in mind, all right, when you, when you, when you read the Bible. Um, is, so we use this. Is, all right, don't press too hard. All right. So now, this is what you must have ingrained in your mind. All right? Ingrained in your mind. Not this way, not this way, not this way, but this way, all right? So how do we remember? Remember that the promised land, um, it comes down, then there's a little kick, kink, right? Then it goes back down, about 30 degrees, it comes down. This is the land, then this is the sea, right? Then always I say what? Around here, we draw a heart. Right? This is like a heart, a human heart. Okay, and then somewhere further down, we draw a... Huh? Draw what? How insulting. <laughs> My old man. No, looks like an old man. Okay, kind of like an old man, right? Nose and then the chin. Okay, a man, an old man. Alright, and then you join it. When you join it, what's, that? what's, what's this joint? Swan River. <laughs> what river is this? Jordan River. Alright, Jordan River. So very easy, right? So at least have this in mind. But this is not good enough. What sea is this called? Galilee. Galilee. Very good. Sea of Galilee. Alright? So if I ask you, where is Galilee? <laughs> Quite easy, right? Here. No, here, right? Galilee. G. So Galilee is where the Sea of Galilee is. It's on what is what Jordan is this called? Cis Jordan. This is Trans Jordan. Alright, so River Jordan. Now, where is um, where is Samaria? Samaria. 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 Where is Samaria? 
quite easy, right? After Galilee is Samaria, the in-between part. Right? People don't like the Samarians. It's in between here. Then, um, okay, so now, what sea is this called? Dead Sea. Alright, Dead Sea. Now, um, so Galilee. Now, where is... Um, say again? Yeah, Judea. Where is Judea? Vincent, do you remember where is Judea? <laughs> where else can it be, right? Judea, J, Judea, here, alright? So, Galilee, Sea of Galilee, Samaria, Judea, alright? Must have this in mind. Because Christ go, went to Judea, went to Samaria, and then went across Jordan. Where is that? So, he went across Jordan means he went across here, right? So, he was persecuted, he went across here. This place is called Perea, P-E-R-E-A, Perea, alright? Perea. So now, he went here. Now, okay, so now, this picture in mind? Okay? Now, so always have this picture. So when you read, you know roughly where they are. So, um, thanks Joshua for remembering. So now we come back to this chapter. Alright, come back to this chapter. Now, now he went to this place. Okay, chapter 11, let's go to chapter 11. So now, the scene changes, alright? Jesus in, is in Perea. Okay, what happened when he was in, while he was in Perea? Verse chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister. Now where is Bethany? Right, so I want you to have a picture of all these things. Where was Jesus traveling? He went from here to here. Then, then when he was here, he heard about Lazarus who was sick. Lazarus of Bethany. Where is Bethany? Bethany is somewhere here. Alright, Bethany. Somewhere there. Alright, Bethany, somewhere here. So while he was here, he heard about Lazarus who was sick near to death in Bethany. Okay, so that's where Bethany is. How far is Bethany from, from um, where he was? You look at verse 17. How far? Roughly how far? Okay, roughly how far? No, verse 18. Let's read together. Now, Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. So, it was nigh, means near. 15 furlongs. Alright, so how, how far is 15 furlongs? Depends which animal you get. Then you take the fur, alright? The longest animal fur, and you tie 15 of them. Furlongs, 15 furlongs. So, it's quite near, alright? Quite near. So, how many, how far is furlong? Right, you must know this, you read, oh, near but 15 furlong. How far is that? Which animal's fur? Uh, 15 furlongs is how far? One furlong? Because very often you read about oh, how many furlongs, how many furlongs, right? Now, um, one furlong is about 660 feet. Alright, one furlong is about 660 feet. Then, 15 furlongs, you multiply that, okay, you get about 1.8 miles. So, it's about 2 miles away. How, how far is in kilometers? Hmm? That, times 1.5, how come 5? Yeah, 1.6. So, it's about 3 kilometers, alright, 2 miles, about 3 kilometers. Okay, runners will know that. Okay, so it's about 3 kilometers, not that far. Alright, so Jesus went across. Alright, so now, he got news from over there and it was about Lazarus, 
was what? Verse 2. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now, so there is this mention of Mary. Mary is one of the brother, uh, one of the sister of Lazarus. Now, do you think this Mary is the same Mary in Luke? No one really knows. Okay, there's another incident of another Mary who also um, wiped Jesus' hair with her feet, a woman of the city, a sinner. All right. So we do not know whether it's a Mary, but likely it is not. So which Mary is this referring to? Is the sister, you look at chapter 2, right? Uh, chapter 11, right? Then chapter 12, when we do that, you will see the same Mary in verse 3. The Mary who broke a pound of ointment in chapter 12, verse 3. So likely it's just referring to this incident. Okay, most people think it is that. Right? You know what I'm talking about because there are many Marys in the Bible. Okay, many Marys. A very common name, Mary. Okay? No Mary in our church. Any Mary in our church? Huh? Oh, Mary. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. All right, Mary. Okay, so now, um, so it's, it's Lazarus' sister, and then verse 3, Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. So he had more than one sister. We'll find out who she is. Who's, who's the other sister? Martha. All right, Martha, we'll discover afterwards. Now you say, oh Lord, our, our brother is very sick. Don't know how they send. Um, I don't think by pigeons, maybe by friends going across three kilometers just to tell, Lord, our, um, our brother is, is very sick. But who is this brother? He whom thou lovest. Right? Jesus loved them very much. Okay, this family. So you, you, want, you want to pray for someone? Lord, um, um, Brian, whom thou lovest, <laughs> is having exams. Uh, but the Lord himself said, I love them very much. Right, verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Okay, so you, I want you to count the number of times. He's going to give the reason why Lazarus is sick. All right, so this is the first time. The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Okay, so now he says that. Um, now, this sickness is quite serious. And I guess of all the people, the Lord will pick Lazarus because Lazarus was the one he loves very much. Okay, It's going to be difficult for the Lord. I'll explain why. Verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and, his sister, and her sister and Lazarus. So, this is very clear. The Lord loved them very much. Um, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Now, this is a strange statement. <laughs> okay? Now, listen carefully. Verse 4, verse 5. Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. Alright, loved them very much. Then verse 6. When he had heard, therefore, he was sick. He didn't go. <laughs> he stayed back for two days. It should normally sound like Jesus loved them. And when he heard, therefore, he hurried there. <laughs> Right? But it wasn't so. He, when he heard, therefore he stayed two days. Why do you see the Lord say therefore? Swinson, why is he say therefore? Why is it therefore? Um, yeah, but what, why did Jesus say Lazarus is sick? Why did Jesus say Lazarus is sick? Elaine? Any? It's for the glory of God, right? So this therefore is about the glory of God. It's not about that He loved him. I love him, therefore you're sick, you're going to die, therefore I, I don't come. You know? No, it's because it's for the glory of God, therefore He stayed back. 
two days. Alright, and we, we ask why, eh? after we ask. Alright, so now, now he goes further, we go, for, go further and see this incident of our Lord with Lazarus and his disciples. Now verse 7, um, shall we read verse 7 and verse, verse 7 to 10 together? Then after that he said to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither? And Jesus answered, Are they not twelve hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of the world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. Alright, so the disciples say, Lord, um, let us, uh, no, the Lord says, let us go to Judea. Then the disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late saw you. Recently, they've been trying to kill you. Remember why Jesus ran to Perea? Because they wanted to stone him, right? They just about, just wanted to stone him, so he ran to Perea. Then Jesus now say, all right, let's go to Judea again. <laughs> Remember where Judea? We saw the map, right? So you have a picture in your mind. And then the disciples say, uh, hang on, boss. <laughs> hang on, master. Um, you want to go there again? Really? Verse 9, Jesus said, Are there not 12 hours in a day? Now I ask this question. What, did Jesus, what does Jesus mean when the disciples ask them that? He says, um, so I ask question number 4. He said, There are 12 hours in a day. If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. Why, what was Jesus telling the disciples? What do you think? So imagine you're doing your devotion. You read this. Right? And say, hmm, What was Jesus saying? Nelson, want to try? What do you think Jesus was saying? So the disciples asked, Lord, you want to go back again? They just tried to kill you. And then the Lord says, Are there not 12 hours in a day? So if any man walk in the day, if you walk in the day, you won't stumble because you see. You can see. They were very worried, right? Yeah. So what was Jesus telling the disciples? No idea. Alright, skip. Hannah, you want to try? <laughs> what do you think Christ was trying to say to them? Is he talking about himself? It is not so much, I think, about um, that his statement of I am the light of this world, but he was, he was comforting them, for sure. They're worried, right? Lord, you want to go back again? You know, they might kill you. And then he says, don't worry if a man walks during the day. He has nothing to worry about. Hmm. And then light uh, sent to God. And Jesus, um, they want to show, um, Jesus want to show um, the... Disciples. Yeah, that, that they have to trust in God. They have to trust in God, right? They have to trust in God. Now, that is correct. And what he's trying to say is this. Look, as long as a person is walking in the light, when is a person walking in the light? Hmm? When he's walking with God, in God's will, right? Walking with God in God's will, he's always walking in the light. And he says, as long as a person is walking in the light, and there's 12 hours in the day of light, as long as he's doing God's work, walking close to God, he can trust God. He don't need to fear. 
he won't stumble. So he's telling the disciples this. They say, Lord, why do you want to go back again? He says, I have work to do. This is the day. This is my time. This is day for me. All right? The darkness will come where I have to go to the cross. This is day. While it is yet day, I will work what the Father sent me to do. I will keep working. And I have nothing to fear because I'm walking in God's will. And that is a lesson for us to learn. If you and I are obedient to God in our lives, following His will, doing what He wants us to do, living by His word, God says you have nothing to fear. Someone tells you, hey, you want to do that? You want to go evangelism? You want to study this course or you want to make this decision? Are you sure? Your life might be in danger. But as long as you know that you are obeying God and doing His will, you have nothing to fear. That's what Christ is saying. I'm doing the Father's will. I have nothing to fear. Okay? So, verse question number four. What did He mean? That is what He's saying. You and I must learn this. Young people, one day you will have to make decisions about studies, about courses, about choices in life, in jobs, um, or lifetime partner. Hmm? Um, you must always make sure that you walk in God's will. Always make sure you walk in God's will. When you do, you have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. So as long as you're doing God's will, you will be protected. You know that's the saying? As long as you are in God's will, and it is, and you are, God doesn't want you to die yet. Right? They're afraid that Jesus will go there and die, right? They're going to kill you, you know. As long, it's same for us. As long as we are obeying God, and God, it's not time for God to take us back, means it's still day for us, we are what? Immortal. You know what's immortal? Okay. Uh, a, a big truck drives towards you, and then you still won't die. <laughs> you skip 10 meters, <laughs> you won't fall into a ditch, you won't die. You are immortal. Say, yeah, I'm immortal. That is, if you walk in the light, it's still doing God's will, all right? The light. So while it is light, we must serve God. We must serve God while it is still light, my friends. Jesus knew that these were His hours to serve. Okay, so He must serve, and likewise for us. Please learn that. Please don't think this is for adults. You in school, many ways to serve God as well. Many ways to obey Him, all right? Um, you have opportunities. Use it to preach the gospel. Use it to share the gospel. Okay. Um, I hope Hannah don't mind me sharing. Hannah is going to take a performance soon, right? And um, she chose to play a Christian hymn, play Christian hymns, and to give out tracts. Right? That is the meaning of it. That's the meaning of Christian life when we live on earth. Every opportunity it is to bring forth Christ to people. As long as you are walking in the light, doing God's work. It can sound very frightening. People may not like what you choose, right? Same for you. You might choose to do something for Christ and people may make fun of you. Have you read the papers recently? Someone said, um, to, be, to claim to be a Buddhist, it is fashionable now. It's fashionable, right? All Hollywood stars are Buddhists now. And many of them be Buddhists or go meditation and all that. So it said the newspaper articles, to claim to be a Buddhist is fashionable. Um, um, to claim to be a Muslim is, don't know, I can't remember. But the moment you claim to be Christian, 
UV mark. That is what the newspaper article said. Do you read that in, in the papers recently? Yeah. So that is what it is. You will be marked. But Christ was marked, wasn't he? Are you afraid? If I do this, people might jeer at me. People might my teacher might fail me. Um, bear testimony for Christ. Alright, so now next. Okay, so now we move on. Now it gets a bit a bit funny with, with the disciples, alright? So he says, Let us go, let us go. And he says, now verse verse um, Verse 10 says, But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. When you disobey God, <coughs> when you choose to go against God's will, you have no light. You will stumble, you will fall. That's why many people, many Christians, their life are very miserable because they choose to go their own way. Instead of obeying God, instead of following God's way, they make career choices that they know are sinful, they are wrong, and they keep stumbling, they keep falling. It will happen. Now Christ is God. He says it will happen, it will happen. Believe that. So likewise for marrying the wrong person. Right? I always talk about this with you all because you are single. One day you might want to get married. If it is God's will, don't make those don't stumble. Don't make the wrong decision. Verse eleven. Now this thing said he, verse eleven, let's read okay, let's read verses eleven to thirteen together. Eleven to thirteen. This thing said he. And after that he has said them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go, that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of the death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Alright? <laughs> Okay, so now, what's, what's happening here? So, he says, alright, let's go. Now, you have to observe very carefully the sequence of what is being said. Verse 11, he says, um, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go to wake him out of the sleep. Now, Jesus made it very clear to the disciples. Let's go and wake Lazarus. Jesus didn't say, let's go and visit him. Let's go and... He said, go and wake him. Alright, so remember that. Then next he said, uh, Then his disciples said, Oh, sleep. The sickness was very serious, right? We read earlier on, very sick, terminal sickness, very serious. But he said, oh, the Lord says sleep. Then verse 12, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. <laughs> now, what were they thinking about? Look, it was explained further, right? It explained for us to, to know. How be Jesus spake, not spake of his death, but they thought he had spoken of taking a rest in the sleep. Now, when you're sick, what do you do? You rest, right? So they say, oh, they thought Lazarus was very sick, lying in bed, not responding to people. Then they thought, oh, but the Lord says he's sleeping. Wow, then good, 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 Lord, good. Because he's sleeping. Hopefully when he rests enough, he will recover and feel good. So let him rest. It is well. Isn't rest very good for sickness? Good, right? Say, oh, then let him rest. Let him rest. All right. Now the Lord was a bit, he was very patient. But, you know, we read back his, well, if you're Singaporean, you say, if the Lord was Singaporean, what would we say? <laughs> Die already! <laughs> Die already! La. <laughs> it's basically, the Lord is like, ah, what do I do with this bunch of people? Alright, you have to make it very clear. Dead, dead, dead. <laughs> he's dead, he's dead. Alright, so just in case you don't know, he's dead. Alright? But he said, we're going to wake him. We're going to wake him. Die already! Die already! Alright? So now, then verse 15 he says, 
and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe nevertheless let us go on to him now he says this I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there okay now remember the Lord was was it was said twice that the Lord loved Lazarus right but the Lord says you know it was good that I didn't go for your sakes I didn't go now you imagine if the Lord went and he went and uh, sisters pleaded for him so Lazarus is lying very sick haven't died not dead yet all right then the people plead with him especially Mary and Martha whom he loved also and then all right so the Lord loved both of you the Lord comes and boy please 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 heal Ray I don't know whether you say <laughs> please heal Ray it would be very difficult for the Lord because he loved them right he loved the one who's very sick he loved the two that's pleading with him he said it would have been difficult I'm glad I wasn't there and I'm glad I wasn't there especially for your sake because of you why no uh, Vincent why yeah Vincent hey, Nel Nelson <laughs> Wilson Nelson why verse 15 why you say I'm glad I wasn't there he gave the answer that you may believe right that you may believe believe what believe what what do you think believe that he is God he was going to do something say I it's good for me not to be there otherwise what I want to do to prove to you that I'm God I can't do so he said I, I purposely waited two days not to go because if they pleaded with me it will be terrible if I don't heal right so he said it's good that I didn't go for your sakes because you are going to see something right you're going to see something now then he moves then said Thomas which is called Didymus unto his fellow disciples let us go let us also go that we may die with him all right so here is the gung-ho Thomas now I ask you a question the Lord says as long as you serve God as long as you walk in his will you don't have to worry about dying right you'll be protected you won't stumble he said that and then um, he said okay let's go and wake Lazarus and then Thomas say okay he's going there and surely die the, 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 the last time he escaped from the Jews from stoning this time he go back again I think he will surely die then he look at the friends around him let's all go and die with him let's go all right let's go so how did it affect Thomas how do you think it affected Thomas how did you think it affected Thomas well I think maybe he might have thought that the Lord is saying as long as I'm doing God's will I won't die and let's just go there and finish this work that the Lord has me to do and then let the Jews kill me I think he was interpreting it as that all right that, uh, the Lord said he want to go and do God work God's work and then when he reached he finished God's work and then he will die and then say okay let's all just go and die with him let's just all go and die with him all right so well he heard that if I do God's will it's worth it it's worth it so he said let's just go let's just go did in the end did he go uh, rather at when Christ really went to the cross did they go with him go and die with him <laughs> they all ran away they all ran away right but at this point you know his heart was stirred up um, to hear that if we do God's will it's worth dying 
Is it worth dying doing God's will? Thomas was stirred up, you know. He said, the Lord says, I do God's will and don't worry. Even if, if in the end he dies doing God's will and when he's finished God's will, he will die, it's worth it. So my friends, learn this. The one thing that is, willing, that is worth dying for, you know what it is? Doing God's will. You will be protected all the while. And then when you're done, it's worth dying for. It's worth dying for doing God's will. Is it worth dying for a handphone? Is it worth dying for getting um, the job that you want? Some people die for all these things. Huh? It means you give your life to it. You have no more life for Christ. Huh? Thomas said, well, it's a cause worth dying for. Working in the day, even if it means eventually we will die when the job is finished, worth dying for. Okay, worth dying for. So he was stirred up. Okay, so don't laugh at Thomas, alright? I don't know how many of us will say that. Die, 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 die. The Lord is going to die. <laughs> let us, let us um, try to avoid him now. No, he said, let's go, let's go. Okay, he was stirred up. I do not know if the time of persecution will come in our lifetime. I always never believed that I would see the time where Christians deny that Jesus is God. I see it now. I read it now. I never thought when I first became a Christian, I would actually hear Christians say that the Bible has mistakes. I see in my life that the church would take a Bible college to court to sue them for teaching that the Bible has no mistakes. It's perfect. I never thought I'd see all this in my lifetime. I always wonder if I'll see in my lifetime where for the cause of Christ, we may not be able to worship openly and just to be a Christian, you might die. You know it's happening in many countries already, right? Many countries. I wonder if it will happen to us. Right? Here is Didymus. Let's go die for the Lord. Die with him. Right? So, so while we look at Thomas and say, oh, this, this um, overexcited guy, but one day we might be faced with that. Are you willing to? Ray, are you willing to? <laughs> Whether you be Thomas at when Christ went to the cross. Yes, that is a good point. You know, Thomas failed, but he had the courage at this point. So let us not be courageous and then when the time comes, we fail. Alright, so scriptures are given for us to remember. I remember when um, there's this pastor, when he baptizes a person, you ask the person this. Because baptism is your ultimate public what declaration that you will follow Christ, even unto death, right? That is what it means. And this pastor will ask the people, if a communist take a gun and point at your head now and ask you to deny Christ, will you deny him before he baptizes you? If you're not willing to die for Christ, then you cannot say, I will follow him unto death. Alright? Don't talk about that. Just ask you to come for evangelism. <laughs> it's like, oh, so difficult. Go over some so difficult. Alright? And we say, we'll die for Christ, but we're not willing to do any service for Him. Alright? So, these little things that you do is going to build up your love for Him. Um, you serve Him. Um, you, pr you, you, you come to study, like tonight. Study His Word. All these things are preparing you, you know, to stand up for Christ one day. Hmm? What do we sing on Sunday? 
how, how good our fate will be if we, like them, could, what? Die for thee. Huh? People say, how wonderful it is. If we, like those martyrs, how wonderful it is, Lord, if we, could, like them, could die for you. Yes, Thomas saying that. If we could die for you. I shared this before. You know, this, this man, he was in prison for the gospel. And then the people... Um, he had a high-ranking, this is one of the martyrs, this high-ranking person, um, friend came to prison and visited him and said, look, 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 I can get you out of prison, you know, let me talk to the people, talk to the government. And he kept begging the friend, please, don't talk to the government. Can you please let me die for my saviour? Don't deprive me of that great privilege. Right? They're willing to die for him. No, I'm not asking you to purposely go and die or anything, but if it calls, if it calls in, upon your life, it is a great privilege. Alright, so Thomas said, it's our privilege, let's go and die with him. Now verse 17, verse 17. Then when Jesus came, then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days. Now he found, doesn't mean Jesus didn't know. Huh? Jesus purposely waited, delayed, and then when he reached there, he was in the grave four days already. Now, verse 18, we know where Bethany is. Verse 19. Now, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary. So now, you know, Lazarus' sisters are Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. And Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. So she ran and met the Lord. And Mary sat still in the house. So Mary continued to stay in the house, grieving. Verse 21. And, and said Martha unto Jesus. Now here, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. So the Lord said, right? It's good that I didn't go. The Lord knew that Martha and Mary would beg Jesus to heal the brother. And that's what exactly they did. Oh, if only you came earlier and we begged you and you would have healed my brother before he died. That's exactly what they did. And the Lord said, it's good that I didn't come. Alright, for a reason. We say, we'll, we'll learn that after. Now, now, verse 22. And then now, this is a conversation that you must understand. Okay? Now, the conversation is like that. Um, because I asked this question uh, in question number six. What was Mary indeed asking for? So, I'm going to ask you, what do you think Mary was asking for? And what did the Lord want her to know? Alright? In this conversation, I want you to notice, what was really Mary asking for and what was the Lord um, telling Mary? So, remember Lazarus is dead already. Mary came. And Martha came. Did I say Mary or Martha? <coughs> oh, sorry, Martha. So question number six is Martha. All right, Martha's brother is dead. Martha came, and now she's having this conversation with Christ. And then she says this. Um, she said, "Now listen, huh? Then verse twenty-one. Then said Mary unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died." Verse twenty-two. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give thee. Then Jesus says unto her, verse 23, Thy brother shall rise again. Verse 24, Mary said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Verse 26, Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Verse 27, She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into this world. 
So I ask you this question. Mary, Ma Martha ran to Jesus. What was Martha asking Jesus to do? Was, Jesus, was Martha asking Jesus for something? Right, what was it? What do you think? Uh, Brenda, what do you think? Yes, but that happened already. Ah. She said that's past already. She was asking for something. What do you think, Kenny? What do you think? What do you think, Martha? Was Martha asking for something or was she just stating and lamenting, ah, Lord, why didn't you come earlier? Hmm? Kenny, what was she asking? How do you know that? Ah, you say she was dropping a hint, very strong hint. <laughs> Lord, if you came earlier, my brother would not have died. You could have healed him. Then verse 22, he say, but, but, but even now, even now, Lord, you ask something, I'm sure the father will answer you, right? She was dropping a very strong hint. Lord, can you please raise him back? Okay, I know he's dead already, but even now, even now. Okay, so she did ask for something. Now, then Jesus says, verse 23, Jesus said, Thy brother shall rise again. Now, how did Mary, Martha interpret that? Roshan Ray, how did Martha interpret that? When the Lord said, Thy brother shall rise again. Like the rising again at the second, is it second resurrection, like the rapture when all the believers... Are that is first resurrection. Second resurrection, we don't want to be part okay, of. Okay, resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the rapture. Mm -hmm, the rapture, yes. Right? The, the, the brother will resurrect again. Okay, they, they understood the Old Testament theology. They've been explained and Christ has explained. So she said, so she said, Lord, I'm dropping this very strong hint. <laughs> Lord, can you please raise my brother? And they said, oh, your brother will rise again. I said, oh, maybe he didn't get the hint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know he will rise again on that day. I believe, I believe that and I know that you can do it on that day, the last day, right? Now, what's the first resurrection? So, good point. The first resurrection, there, there are two resurrections in the humankind history. Re this resurrection is like everyone get resurrected. Alright? The, the Bible called the first resurrection in, resur in, in, Re in Revelation. First resurrection is for believers only. Alright? So, all believers die. Okay? Shall we turn to Revelation just in case you understand because he's talking about the resurrection here. <coughs> Okay, Revelation chapter um, 20. Revelation chapter 20. Now can you see verse 4 and 5? Let's read verse 4 and 5 together. Revelation 20 verse 4 and 5. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, for which they not worship the beast, neither his image, neither had received the mark upon his head. And they lived and reigned lived and reigned a, th a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again till the thousand years were finished. This is the first. Alright, so this is the first resurrection that statement refers to verse 4, the people in verse 4. Those that will reign a thousand years with Christ on earth. Alright, 
So those, so when if you are a believer, you die. One day God will resurrect you, and you will live during the millennium reigning with Christ. That is called the first resurrection. So first resurrection is believers. Okay. So what is the second resurrection? Look at verse fourteen. Shall, shall we read verse thirteen and fourteen? And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. All right, second death. All right, they will be resurrected. The second resurrection, and then they will die in the second death. All right, first resurrection only believers. Okay, so if you're a believer, you'll be part of the resurrection. Okay, so she said, yeah, yeah, I know about that first resurrection, but Lord, I'm hoping that you will resurrect him now. Okay, and it is at this point that the Lord says, I am the resurrection and the life. Verse 25. Okay, <laughs> so now, memory test time. Okay, yes. <laughs> to some, yes. To some, oh, no. Okay, so now, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. This is one of the I am statement, right? So, Vincent, what is this I am statement? I am the... Verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. No, read again. Yes. And the life, not alive, right? The. This the, both I'm the resurrection and the life. Now, in Greek, typically the article is not there. Alright? Okay? That's why you see many of the um, translation in King James, the is italics. Okay? It is implied. Okay? So in the Greek language, when it's called out, a the, and this the is, is called out, it's not italics. It is the emphasis. Alright? And you say, I'm the, the only one. The resurrection, the life. Okay, so this is one of the I am statements. All right, you know I am. There's a I am, I am, I am. Many I am statements. Seven of them. All right, seven I am statements. Now this is one of them. You will find all the seven in the book of John, Gospel of John. So, how many I ams have happened so far? Let's try and remember. Okay, think and remember. I help you. All right, there are already a few I am so far. All right. And the Lord did not suddenly say, I am, out of nothing, right? It was something that happened and He said, I am. What was the first miracle we read? Well, among the... No, not the first miracle. Alright, so I give you a hint. In the miracle of feeding the 5,000, that caused the Lord to say, I am... What? Bread of life. I am the bread of life. Remember? They wanted to follow Him because they wanted food. And just stop thinking about food all the time. I am the bread of life. He's talking about the spiritual part. I'm the bread of life. Alright, so that is one in John 6.35. Okay, since your, since your file, your notes, I give you a reference. John 6.35. Now, the second I am, the Lord went to the festival of lights. <laughs> Very straightforward, right? He went to the festival of lights. Then, it was the last day. They're blowing out all the candles, closing off all the lights. And then that is when the darkness was there. Then the Lord said, I am what? The light of the world. Not the candle. <laughs> I'm the light of the world. Okay, that was the other occasion in John 8, 12. Okay, now, this incident has two I am's. Okay, and that was in chapter 10. We just studied. Chapter 10 was about the good shepherd, right? Now, 
So in there, there's two I am's. Who remember? Door. I'm the door of the ship, or I'm the gate, right? What is the exact words? Um, I'm the door, all right? Okay, so what is this door? <laughs> it is about salvation, hmm? the only way. Of the sheep, of the sheep. He ushered his sheep out of Judaism into the truth, okay? So what's the other I am? Very straightforward. I am the good shepherd, right? I am the good shepherd. So that were, that were those were in John 10, 11, um, John 10, 9 and 11, okay? So now this is the, how many already? This is the fifth one, right? The fifth one, I am the resurrection and the life. Okay, seven I am's. So all these I am's are very important. It, this, these I am's, you know why we emphasize on the seven I am? Because no human beings can claim these I am's. Only God. These are things that no one can claim. Can you claim that I'm the resurrection? No, you can't. Can you claim that I give life? No, you can't. So what does it mean, I am the resurrection, I am the life, and the life? It means I'm the one who gives resurrection, and I'm the one who gives eternal life. Okay, that's what he means, I'm the resurrection and the life. Okay, I'm the resurrection and the life. This is what, that is what he meant. So we have how many more I am's to go? Two more. What are they? I am the true vine, and I am... The way, the truth, and the life. Okay, so we study that as we come. So now this I am, the resurrection and the life. So what? So what? Alright, so Mary was asking for that. Now, what does God refer to for the believers? Why does God, question number six, why does God refer to believers' death as sleep? Alright, ready, go to sleep. <laughs> That's another way to go and die. <laughs> Not that, alright? What does God say? Sleep. Now, sleep is obviously a rest, right? We serve in this world, we walk in this world, we suffering, so sleep. Now, it is also a peaceful thing. For the unbelievers, it's a frightening thing. Is it frightening for us to go to sleep? No, we long to sleep. Always not having enough sleep, so we long. Sleep is a good thing. But how many of us say, oh, I long to die? Actually, I do. <laughs> yeah. But for the believer, sleep is it's a peaceful, it's a non-frightening thing for the believer. Not frightening. Do you realize that for the believer, death is really asleep? So does it mean that when you die, when I die, sleep means we are unconscious? No. All right. There is a group of cults that teaches soul sleep. It means when you die, your soul goes to sleep. You are unconscious. Totally. All the way. Okay, but just now we read Revelation, right? Those that are dead, right? Um, what happens to a believer when he dies? Paul says, how do you know what happens to your soul when you die? Mabel. Paul says, absent, have you read that verse before? Absent in the body, present with the Lord. Alright, so Paul says that. means, my body, my soul is absent from my body, it is with Christ, present with the Lord. So when we die, please understand this, because I still have people asking me, so my auntie died recently. Is she in heaven now? She's a believer. Or she's sleeping? Because of verses like that, she's sleeping. So you think sleeping. No, the soul is like Lazarus immediately in heaven. Okay? Christ told the 
uh, thief next to him, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise, in heaven. So the soul immediately leaves the body and goes to heaven. But the body does sleep, isn't it? The body is sleeping where? Underground. Underground, buried, the body is resting. So the physical body, in a sense, is sleep. But the picture is one that is not frightening for the believer. It is rest. When we go to heaven, it's rest. Okay? So that's why God says, sleep. So please remember, when we die, when believers die, their soul don't go to this in-between place called purgatory. Um, you familiar with purgatory? Uh, the Roman Catholic teach the place where people, the soul go there and suffer for a while before they go to heaven. That's not true. Alright? No purgatory, no nothing. Not sleeping and then unconscious. No. It's very conscious. You're going to heaven. Very wonderful. Who wants to die now? I want to. I want to so much. Not because I want to die. Why do you want to die? Why do you want to die? Hmm? To be with the Lord. Alright? Not simply, I want to escape pain. I want to escape exam. Can I die now, Lord? I don't want to work. Oh, I just want to die. No. For the believer, we want to be with the Lord. Hmm? We want to be with the Lord. Okay, be very sad one day the husband say, uh, I want to go home from work as soon as possible. Why? Because I'm going to go home and eat dinner. <laughs> I want to go home and see my wife. <laughs> it's to be that, right? Or wife, I want to see my husband. Right? So it's not because of anything but to be with the Lord. Now, so now I ask you question number six. What consolation is there when a believer dies? Why did Christ want to teach them I am the resurrection and the life. Why? You know the Lord went through a lot of planning in order to make this statement. Isn't it true? He went through a lot of planning, you know. First of all, he has to plan for Lazarus to get terminal illness. Before they have to plan to make sure he left Bethany. He left Judea's side. Why I want you to know all this location is he has to plan that they have to persecute, he has to leave and be some distance away from Bethany. Then you have to plan that you fall sick. Then you have to plan that they get news. Then you have to plan that, oh, he died, I must wait two days, and then third day travel, and then fourth day reach there, and then he's buried four days. Now with that, then I have to, then I have to wait till Mary asks, Martha asks me. Then after that, now I can make this statement. <laughs> right? He made sure that it was the perfect timing, the perfect situation to teach something. Same for bread of life, right? In this situation, the best time to teach them the spiritual truth. Now, why did the Lord want to teach them on the resurrection of the life and the life? What was Mary and Martha and the disciples feeling? Especially Mary and Martha. And the Jews that came to comfort them, they were very sad, isn't it? They were crying. They were very, very sad. And the Lord would choose this time to teach us about the resurrection and the life. The Christian must not fear death. Neither should the Christian feel very sad about death of loved ones. Of course, we will feel sad. We are human. One day our parents will leave us. When they die, we will feel sad. We will weep. But don't weep like there is, no, there, was, there is no hope for the believer. Understand that? Now, this verse, these verses are very precious. Learn it now. Because one day you may lose a loved one. And the Lord wants to teach Mary and Martha and teach us and the resurrection and the life. It is a wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. And I will give life one day. Okay? It is very difficult for me to not be able to see my dad for the last time when he passed away. Uh, he passed away once in the airport trying to get home from Perth. 
it's very difficult and, and many times the image of him comes to my mind because those were the last moments my sister um, sent use, um, use uh, Skype to show me his face. I constantly have to push that out of my mind, but there's always that comfort. The only reason why I didn't break down um, and become so totally depressed when I went at the airport and, and just can't take it when I go home and just have nightmares. Now, the only reason why I don't have that is because of this verse. I'm the resurrection and the life. Then I remember my father, well, in his spirit, is with Christ and he has eternal life. He's with Christ. And one day, he'll be, his body, which is at the grave, which I had to bury myself, will be resurrected. You know, that, those are the comfort. One day you will live loved ones. Remember this verse. So the Lord used this at a very precious time to teach them, I am God. Do you remember all this while he's saying, I am God? What's the point of me trying to make you understand that I am God? Number one, to get you to believe me. Because I give life, I give resurrection. And the other one for the believers, I am God. Don't you know I am God? I will be giving your loved ones resurrection and life. No, don't grieve, don't grieve. Alright, so understand that. Um, so now, so now you know the conversation that was going on. So do you think Martha had strong faith? Not so much, right? She said, ah, I wish you raise him now. Alright, alright, right. I believe you will raise up one day. Alright, so that conversation ended like that. What did she do? She ran back. She ran back. Okay. She ran back. Now, if she knew that the Lord said, I'm raising your brother now, what would she have done? Grab hold of his hand, come, come with me now. But no, she thought, well, he didn't get the hint, or no, he's not going to do it. Then what did you say in verse... Um, uh, okay, verse 29. Okay, look at verse 29. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came... To, uh, so, sorry. Um, verse 28. Seven. She said, Martha said to Mary, to, says she said unto him, I'm so sorry, verse 28, that's where we stopped. And when she had said so, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, the master is come, that calleth thee. Why do you think she said that secretly? Hmm? Jesus is here. Master is here. Why do you think she said that secretly? <coughs> Whose attention? The brother. Who? <laughs> Lazarus might. Yes, so except that Lazarus might jump. <laughs> Whose attention? Uh, the Jews, right? Where? How do you know the Jews were there? Verse nineteen. And many of the Jews came to Mary, Martha, and Mary. Right? Many of the Jews. What? What were the Jews wanting to do? Kill Jesus, right? They just tried to stone him. He said, "The Jews are here." So Mary, Martha. Jesus is here, alright? So what did, what did, so she didn't want the rest to know and she secretly told him, verse 29, as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came. So Mary hurried to run to him. Mary didn't say, oh, Jesus is here. No, she also secretly went. And what did the Jews, verse 31, and the Jews then which were with her in the house comforted, they came to comfort her basically, when they saw Mary that she rose up hastily and hastily went up, followed her saying, she goeth to the grave, grave to weep there. Right, so she don't know. Mary has been sitting there. She was still all this while. And then suddenly she jumps up and runs out. All right, so the Jews don't know what. Oh, she's going to the grave. Let's follow her. All right. 
So then what happens next? Um, verse 32, and Mary, then Mary was come, when, then when Mary was come where Jesus was, she saw him, she fell down at his feet saying unto him, same words, identical words as the sister, hmm? sisters talk alike, Lord, if thou hast been there, my brother had not died, said the same thing, kneel down and fell to the face of all. See the Lord say, that's why I cannot come before this. They will come and beg me to heal the brother. All right, I intend to raise him, not heal him. Okay, so now next, and then, and when Jesus, ah, so now next conversation is going to happen. I want you to observe and tell me what do you think this conversation was about. Okay, but first of all, we have to understand some Greek words. Um, which, okay, now verse 33, shall we read verse 33 to verse 38 together? I want you to notice this weeping and groaning, okay? And then you tell me what's happening. Verse 33 to 38. Let's read together. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man which have opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this children should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. So you see, two things happening. The people were weeping. Alright, you look at this weeping. Verse 33, Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews were weeping. Alright, twice. Now this Greek word for this word weep and Jesus, verse 35, Jesus wept. All right? They're different Greek words. All right? They're different. So I have to tell you at least the background so that you know. So you try and guess what's happening. Now this weeping of, the, the, of Mary and weeping of the Jews, the word is wailing. Ah, wailing, you know. Um, very, very terrible sound of crying aloud, like as if there's no hope. Wailing, all right? wailing, that kind of very, very grievous, very painful kind of weeping, okay? But the word used for Jesus wept was a different word. This word is, is um, a silent or soft tearing. Alright? That kind. Different. Alright? Different. Alright? So now, you see two kinds of weeping. And then it also says that, how many times did it mention that Jesus groaned? Twice. Jesus groaned. First time, what did he, when did he groan? When, verse 33, when he saw them wailing, the Jews also wailing, he groaned and was troubled. Alright, he groaned. Okay, that's the first groan. Verse 38 is the second groan. What caused Jesus to groan the second time is verse 37. Some of them said, Could not this man which have opened the eyes of the blind cause, the, cause the, even this man should not have died? Then he groaned. After he, he hear them say, Ah, but this man, he could heal people. Could he not have come and healed Lazarus before he died? Then he groaned. Alright? Now, this word groan is one of a rebuking a rebuking, right? So sometimes, like your mom look at you, <sighs> uh, that kind of groan. It's not that, uh, but it's, <laughs> 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 right? It's that kind of, uh, 
That kind of groan, all right? It's a rebuking groan. Rebuking kind of groan, okay? Now, so I ask you this question. Um, so what are the two different kinds of weeping? I told you one is the wailing, one is a silent um, um, cry. And then the groaning is one of rebuking, uh, uh, unhappy, all right? Frustrated, um, groan. Now, what frustrated him? The first time was they were wailing. The second time was, can he do this or not? Can he do this or not? You know, and that troubled him. So, so why do you think? What? So, question number eight. Why do you? For what reason was Jesus groaning and crying? Why do you think so? Why? He came. He said, "I'm the resurrection of life." But the sisters were wailing, the Jews were wailing. And then he's just like, hmm. Mm. Why? Oh, oh Vincent. Alright, yes. Oh, you're breathing only. Okay. Don't breathe too loud. It's uh because he couldn't believe how they didn't have faith that he had Yes, very good. Very good. Very good. You just can't believe it, you know? I've been with you all. Mary, Martha, I've been with you all. You also know that I'm God. You know that. You testified just before this and all this while. But, and I even told you, your brother will raise up, will rise up. Why, why are you all so faithless? Not only that, he looked at the Jews. Why did he weep? Do you remember the last time you were said that Jesus wept? When? All right. Shenri, not her head. Yeah, right? Then he looked at Israel and then he, he wept and he said they are like sheep without a shepherd. Very sad. Right? Sheep without a shepherd is very sad. The last time was when he saw Jew, the Jews, the Jews, Israel, not rejecting their shepherd and then they are just wandering on their own. And then he looked at these Jews weeping and then he, he was just so grieved in his heart. How come you all don't believe me? I am God. You know, I can give life. Why are you weeping like that? You know, understand that? So that was why he was groaning. And he even wept. He wept. He, he wept not so much for Lazarus in my mind. Right. If you fully intend to raise Lazarus, and he's going to rise up, and you plan so hard to make this miracle so clear and obvious, and then you see him dead, you cry? No. All right. You have all the plenary. So I don't think he was weeping for Lazarus so much. But he was weeping for those that are living. He was not weeping for the dead. The dead he was going to raise. It's the Jews, the unbelieving Jews. He looked at them and said, Why don't you believe me? He was grief. Just like he wept when he saw them without a shepherd. Alright? So this is what was happening here, I believe. Now, so the next thing that happened, verse 39. Uh, shall we read 39 to 44 together quickly? Jesus said, Take away the stone, Martha. And the sister said to him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. And Jesus said unto her, Say not I unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. 
but because of the people we stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he has thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto him, Loose him and let him go. All right? How would you like to be there? I don't know, maybe children will run away. <laughs> right? Yeah, this is the hoping for, 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 for Lazarus to be resurrected. Now, take away the stone. Then the Martha says, So, you see what Christ moaned in his heart? The Martha says, Yay! Um, notice uh, who it was, uh, verse 39. Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him, was the one who talked. Who was the one who dropped the hint? Martha, right? Although I keep saying Mary. Martha was the one who dropped the hint. Then now Jesus is going to do it? Take away the stone. And he said, Ah, but this is going to stink. Then the faith was really very weak. Alright? It should be, Yay, he's going to do it. He got the hint. He's going to do it. I said, But it's going to stink. Well, how come it's going to stink? <coughs> Haven't bathed for four days now because the dead body will decompose, right? That's why he said, I'm the resurrection. When he said, I resurrect, what's the point of re resurrecting decomposed body? So when our resurrection happened, it will be a, not a decomposed body. Right? So his body was definitely decomposed. Four days. I ask you the question, why did he wait two days? Why did the Lord not turn up immediately? Which I ask you here. Why did, question number nine, why did Jesus wait two days? Why? He had to make sure that Lazarus was fully dead. <laughs> Even decomposed. I have to wait till he decomposed. And people know that he's decomposed and he will be smelly. Alright? I don't do I don't raise him. Now Jesus has raised people before. At least two. I think in the Bible there's three resurrections. The other two, he didn't was actually quite quite soon after their death. This one. You want to teach, I am the resurrection and the life. You have to make sure people really know. This guy is not fainted. He's dead and rotten. Okay? Now, those days, some of them, they embalm, but by and large, they only stack loads of oil, good, nice-smelling flowers on top of them. Right? Even for Christ, a very heavy amount of ointment on top of him. They don't really embalm. Embalm, you won't rot. That's why this one, they rot. They just try to make the body smell nice, throw everything on top. Alright, so embalming was not a big thing then. So he said, he's going to sting, he's going to sting. So this is the point. He wanted the body to rot, to sting. Then when he asked Lazarus to come forth, they see him with a good human body. He will really remember the resurrection. This is not a joke, it's a real resurrection. If human body decomposed back to life. You see how clearly he would teach the resurrection here? Very clearly. That's why he did, he, why did he wait? To make sure that he can prove that he is indeed the resurrection. Okay? He's indeed the resurrection. Yeah, those they die, then they arise. Now, yeah, maybe the guy fainted. Do you believe that Christ one day will give you a perfect body when he resurrects you? Learn to like your body. I think we will still look this, pretty much the same face. Right? So, ah, oh, I wish I would be as tall as Brian. I don't think so. I'll still be this high, I think. Alright? So it's the same body, it will be brought back together, alright? So Lazarus had the same body, the sister said, Hey, I can't recognize him. Ooh, how can he look different? They said the brother, they sat down and ate together. My brother, my brother, same face. Alright, unfortunately, <laughs> still my brother's face. 
<laughs> okay, so now, he woke him up. Um, he, he resurrected him. So that's question 9 and 10. Now, I ask you this question, question 9, and then we are done. Alright, how different was Jesus' miracle uh, of raising someone from the dead compared to those in the Old Testament prophets like Elijah? How different? How different? Actually, I told you already. All those were very soon after death. This one, the Lord waited till the body was decomposed. To make it very, very clear and obvious. Alright? Okay? So, question number 10, how does the Lord, what does the Lord mean? I told you that resurrection, He raised us physically and the life. He gives eternal life. How did He prove that? He waited four days till Lazarus' body was truly rotten. And genuinely and indisputably dead. Then he raised them. He proved it very he proved it beyond a shadow of doubt. Okay. Um, the last two is very simple, but I close with asking you one question, number thirteen. How many people were raised from the dead in chapter eleven? Oh, we must read verse forty five. Then, verse 45, read together, then we close. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on Him. How many people were resurrected spiritually? Many. Alright? So in this chapter, many were resurrected. They came to believe in Christ. So spiritually, they came out of darkness. They lived. Right? It's a wonderful, wonderful miracle. So this is one of the most important miracles um, that Christ did, proving his, the resurrection and the life. Okay? Alright, let us... Any urgent questions? No? Let us pray.